What's up, Dreadheads? I'm John. And I'm Joe. And welcome to a brand new episode of Spread the Dread Podcast. This week, we are on episode 62, Harold Shipman, Dr. Death, as he is better known. I want to go ahead and preface, 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 preference, preface, <laughs> yes. there we go, this episode by saying this one and a couple of the upcoming ones we're pre-recording. Now, we normally don't do that because we like no. to keep our info up to date and stuff like that. And, and we're not schedule. very organized or uh, no, on we're a great not. schedule because we drink. You get so. them, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you guys get them on Wednesday. We record them like the Tuesday prior. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also why there's not any cool bells and whistles on our shit. Yeah, no. We, like we wouldn't that. know how to do it anyways, because no. again, we drink. So. Well, not just that, but we, 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 we are planning on the first week of April, going on a vacation. Our eldest yeah. cub, that's his spring break. So we're going to Florida for the entire week. So we wanted to we wanted to make sure that we were still giving y'all episodes. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to pre-record some stuff, make sure we were caught up and everything like that. So if any of the information that you hear from here on out, not about our subject matter, but some of the announcements and stuff, you're like, oh, that didn't happen or whatever. That's why. And particularly to the Patreons that we shout out at the end of the episode, if anyone joined between episode 61, where we talked about Peter Curtin, the vampire of Dusseldorf, and now. We didn't mean to miss you. We had to do it this way. And as soon as we get back to recording week by week, we will shout you out. Now, I've got a legitimate question. Do we call them patrons? Patreoners? The site is Patreon. Yeah. You call the people who give to you patrons. Okay. We call them official dreadheads. You're all dreadheads, but you don't get titles in front of it if you don't give us money. (laughs) So that's where like the freshman, the sophomore, junior, and senior level, that's where all that stuff kicks in. Uh, And in continuing with the housekeeping, don't forget to visit spreadthedreadpodcast.com. All of the links are going to be provided in the show notes below, whether you're listening to it on your favorite podcast platform or you're watching it on YouTube or BitChute. You're going to find all that there. Links to everything. Uh, Definitely want to call out our store. Get yourself some dreadful merch. And again, as we mentioned earlier, we do have a Patreon. So if you want to financially support us for some perks, we have our own private Discord that you get access to. Uh, There's going to be an exclusive... It's not a selling feature. Don't worry. It's (laughs) not. It's so unsupervised. And 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 you can't open it anywhere public. Public. Like no. I, I, I went to like try to open it while at work, and like I had to like check over my shoulder because the first fucking thing that popped up was like a, a black guy getting a blowjob, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and 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 the channels that are thanks in there, Marty. Yeah, that was I. I knew that was either Marty or yeah. probably Jay. Uh, but 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 yeah, and no one no one follows the channel rules very well. They try. But the inmates I run the asylum even. over there. Yeah. I know, but but that, but it is what it is. And uh, if you like our fucked up sense of humor, you'll probably really like the Discord. And then there's yeah. tears. Uh, we, we're going to do a, a monthly episode called Dreadful as Fuck with our boys at Criminal AF. That's supposed to premiere in April. Uh, there's a tier that gets you free monthly stickers, a tier that gets you a free monthly T-shirt. So definitely check that out. Patreon.com slash Spread the Dread Podcast. Uh, Also, don't forget, uh, and again, I'm from the future at this point, so this all of this info should be good. Uh, The very last previous episode of Fright Flick, Fuck, Mary Kill, we covered Nocebo. The upcoming one after this is going to be Spoonful of Sugar. Uh, Also, you're listening to this on the 29th of March. On the 27th of March, 
uh, brand new Talking Dread should be posted, uh, <laughs> featuring my interview with Bill Oberst Jr. He is an award-winning actor uh, and pretty well known in horror circles. And we covered one of the thing, uh, the the reason I found out about him on Fright Flick, Fuck Mary Kill. My co-host in real life, Big Bro Jay. Big fan of the movie Circus of the Dead. So he introduced me to Bill Oberst through that, and yeah. he is fantastic as popcorn. No matter what you think of that movie, Bill Oberst. I was to say the movie the it. movie could have been like on fire around him. His fucking performance was Next like level. out of this world, man. Next level like you completely believed him, like how fucked up in the head he was. Oh, absolutely. And then he's like the nicest fucking guy via email. You're like, he holy really crap. Is. How- he is an angel via I know. email. It is crazy. It just, I feel like every time he emailed me, emails me, he's right in the middle of meditating. Yeah. And right? like, he just thinks that the message and like, you know, whatever <laughs> the version. The cosmos align and yeah, it writes whatever, it for him. Yeah, like- whatever version of chat GPT we're on yeah. now just, just sinks right up to him. But definitely check that episode out. And again, you're listening to this. Uh, this was released on March 29th. Also released this day. Mm-hmm. My Mine and Joe's uh, special guest appearance on the Talking Owls. That's just like the animal, Talking Owls. Be nice to us. It was really weird to do it just because we didn't have scripts and we have to come off the cuff, especially for me. So be nice, damn it. (laughs) Yeah, that episode is entitled (laughs) Documenting Depravity, where we look at the history of snuff and internet murder videos and things of that nature. And one final thing, if you are listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Screen share that or screenshot that. Send it over to us on Facebook, IG, or spread the dread podcast at gmail.com, along with your mailing address, and we will get you some free stickers out there. Joe, you ready to kick this episode off? Yes, of course. Uh, all right. Without further ado, dreadheads, let's get into episode 62, Harold Shipman, Dr. Dr. Death. Death. All right, as we always like to do it, I'm going to talk, especially on this episode, because we're talking about a literal doctor. You're in the health care field. <laughs> yes. You're uh, about to get your LPN. You're mm-hmm. one semester away. You're working as a nurse extern and stuff like that. And you made these notes. So yeah. I'm going to just go ahead and assume there is abbreviations. And medical terms in this that I am going to be completely. I actually did really good. I actually put explanations besi- beside some things so just should, to help you know, us. You know your husband, <laughs> and you know this audience. You should not assume that we're even going to have a surface level knowledge about the the healthcare industry, no matter what country it is. So let's kick you over to you for the bio and the background on Harold Frederick Shipman. Yes, he was born January 14th, 1946 in Nottingham, England. That's where Robin Hood was from. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I don't, I'll go and say that British folklore mythology yeah. really fucks me up. Because they, like, the people really existed, but the shit they did didn't happen. Right? Like, Knights of the Round Table kind of shit. Right, like, like you there hear, was a King yeah. Arthur, but Arthur or whatever, but I, I don't think there's any validity to, like, the sword and the stone. No. I don't know if he had a round table. I'm pretty sure there wasn't a wizard named Merlin. You know what's crazy is, like, I actually took, um, this was in college, goddamn, so long ago. I actually took British studies because of how much I liked uh, Le Morte de Arthur. Um, is that the book that they all that all that yeah. all that stuff about King Arthur comes from? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And I, I fucking we that's the entire like I, we split one half of the book the first semester, and then the second semester was the other half of the book, and was just we were translating it from like different languages as well because it was published in different languages. Right. Trying to find you know idiosyncrasies in it, like it, it was retarded. I never forgave, but I found it so interesting. I never forgave the legend of King Arthur Arthur because I think it was seventh or eighth grade, whatever literary class I was in, English, whatever the hell it was called, 
we had to do we, we and just in the class we all got assigned roles mm-hmm. and we had to play someone and I drew one of the knights of the round table and his last name is spelled G A W A I N. You pronounce it Gay Wayne. Yeah. And so, of course, now don't freak, don't a hey, you know we love all of you. Rub mm. it against and put it in whatever you want to as long as it's consenting. But you're but talking about immature school, ass kids, yeah. <laughs> Everyone was just like, it sounds like gay wang. Yeah. And so I had, yeah. and I was a fat kid, so I didn't need that. So after that, I was pretty much, if it didn't involve like Disney's, uh, the, if it didn't involve Disney's The Sword and the Stone movie, I stayed the fuck away from anything to do with King Arthur. And he- and he was like, you know me, I hate English. Like, I hate everything about it. It was actually always the most difficult subject for me growing up. Which I love. I know. We're That's exact opposites on that. Like, give me math and give me science, but fuck some English. Yeah. But that I loved that fucking book so much. Yeah. And I liked, I loved my professor. He was fucking dope. He was actually the one, and not to go down a rabbit hole, he was the one that we actually are, we got- We are in the rabbit hole. I know. Are... He actually was the one that got me into, an ext- into extreme cinema. He was the one that the told me about- Irreversible. Irreversible. A movie I High killed. tension. Like he told Love me about high tension. I only saw that when we first got together. I've never watched Irreversible. I've tried. Yeah. But all the stuff that Gaspar and I, and I'm sure, oh my God, I'm sure I'm going to eventually have to do it for that goddamn Fright Flick Fuck Mary Kill <laughs> show. But it, he put in all kind of like un, like sounds, you could yep. subliminal sounds and shit that make people feel sick. Spin. And it works yeah, yeah. on me. Yeah. I've, I've, I never made it to the, you know, if you know about Irreversible, you know about that one scene. Yeah. But there, there's a lot of, key, there's a lot of really interesting, uh, interesting techniques he put into the film to make you feel uncomfortable. And I remember the it fr- works. I bought it off of eBay because of my, my, my professor's like recommendation oh like it's great it's such a great horror film and like you know like a he's realism. got some balls to re- anybody who recommends you irreversible without offering a single caveat I know when I was like 17 18 watch, taking his class and he he's just grooming you <laughs> You're, he was a groomer no. Yes. His wife was also a professor there as well. So, so and I, I got along I mean, with her Jeffrey great. Epstein had Ghislaine Maxwell. So. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. You're, 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 whatever. I'm Out not of the helping. Hole, back yes, on to Harold He goes. He's uh, born January 14th in 1946 in Nottingham, England. Before I interrupted, Joe, continue. Yes. Uh, to Harold Frederick Shipman and Vera Britton. Um, his father actually was a lorry, like taxi driver. And his mother was a homemaker. Now, Harold was so the... humble beginnings. Yes. Not really, though. <laughs> You'll see. Oh. Yeah, Harold was a middle child of three and was brought up in a devout Methodist home. Fred was his extremely strict mother's favorite child, and they had a very close relationship, and... Fred was kind of taught he was better than everyone else, and it caused him to have very few friends. So it caused his mother just over there overinflating his ego and, you know, giving him all kinds of just like, oh, you're better than everybody else. Like, you're going to accomplish wonderful things and just fucking pumping his ass up. Now, now to, to point out, remember, we're talking about Harold Shipman. His middle name's Frederick, so his mom called him Fred, called him Fred after yeah. his middle name. So if you hear Fred, that's that's who we're talking about yeah. is Harold Shipman. And yeah. mommy loved her Freddie very much. Yes. Yeah. A little too much, oh, but yeah, uh, no, no, not like that. I'm just On saying. This show you never. I know I can't. Know. Li- I can- yeah, I can't. Like just. No, yeah, I can't. Just throw that in the ether. Episode about that goddamn vampire of Dusseldorf. <laughs> what a fucking asshole Peter Curtin was. <laughs> now Vera ended up being diagnosed with terminal lung cancer, and Fred was actually her in-home caregiver. Um, he was actually really intrigued with how well like morphine would help her, um, especially like as far as palliative care, and like palliative care is like end-of-life care, and it's actually more focused on. 
on keeping somebody comfortable and it's like more like he, that humane treatment so right. she she's so far gone that you know the morphine's there just to kind of ease her into the next dimension gotcha shit. so i'm guessing this sparks his medical curiosity yeah exactly gotcha. okay um she d- ended up dying on june 21st of 1963 when harold was only 17 years old and although it was like it really devastated him it, it devastated him it actually really lit a fire for him to like go to medical medical school and he had becoming accepted to lead school of medicine in 1965 oh wow okay yeah and by mid 1965 so, so, he was, so i mean so again and i just want to stop it here because yeah. we have to you know he was he was he was brought up uh you know like you had said very devout methodist but mm-hmm. i don't see this i'm not seeing apart from her the mother favoring him and stuff like that doesn't seem like a very traumatic childhood. No, no, not necessarily traumatic. It's just that she didn't set him up with wonderful coping skills. So, like, well, no, he thinks he's probably better entitled than and stuff. Entitled. Yeah, but, and so anytime things that, goes bad, like you know, they're gonna come up with their own maladapted way of coping with not feeling like somebody's not bolstering their ego. That's a big problem, right? Well, and then the fact that he suddenly at the age of seventeen decides to go into medical school would would allude to the fact that. He was naturally making good grades yeah. and things of that. So he was a naturally bright guy. And again, a lot, not always, but a lot, when you have someone that has a really stressed out home life, you can usually tell it in their schoolwork. Yeah. They, they either drop out early. They, they're not very, they're not particularly notable for what mm-hmm. they did in school. They're very loner, outcast. Their grades are average at best and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So so not the case here with Harold Shipman. No, absolutely not. So, But by uh, mid-1965, Fred met P- uh, Primrose May Oxtaby. That's a sweet name. I really Primrose th- May Oxtaby. I've never heard that name before, and I was like, that's actually really pretty. That sounds very highfalutin. Yeah, right? That's a pinkies out kind <laughs> yeah. of name right there. <laughs> I literally was about to throw the pinky out. Yeah, someone, uh, someone got packed crumpets for school lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Fred was 19 and Primrose was 17 when they actually met and they married November 5th, 1966. Primrose was five months pregnant at that time. Oh. Yeah. They went on to have oh, three more children nice together. Day for a shotgun wedding. <laughs> Any of my southern dreadheads out there, y'all know what that is. That's when you can't embarrass mama and daddy at the church. So y'all better get hooked up quick. And before she starts showing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't want to pooch under that wedding dress because then the preacher's going to look at him funny on Sunday. <laughs> so that brings us to 1970. Fred graduated from Leeds. Um, he soon began working at the Pontecraft General Infir- uh, Infirmary. Pontefract. In- yeah. Pontef- General Infirmary in there West we Riding, Yorkshire. That's a lot of British words. Yeah. We just established you're not great at English. No. And I mean, you speak fine English language and day-to-day stuff. You're like, you're not good at English literature. Pronunciation. Yep. I didn't sound good when I said pronunciation there. So <laughs> this is a fucking, this is a boat without a paddle right now. Um, that's what they say, like the pot calling the kettle black. Uh, you know, but, but you can you can agree. I'm far more when oh, it comes to yeah. that now, you know, but, but and, and you wouldn't think it listening to me. I am quite smart when I want to be. It's just I choose not to be because I keep hoping y'all will become patrons and enough of you aren't yet. So I'm going to have to sound smart eventually and maybe I'll court a different crowd. Anyway, Joe, go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. So four years later in 1974, he was hired as a GP at the Abraham or Mir- or Maraud Medical Center and Todd Morden. There we that's go. A, that's a, again, that's it's a, a mouthful. Yeah, Or Maraud. Or Maraud. Yeah, that's, I don't know. That sounds, that sounds sexy. <laughs> What's a GP? Oh, a general practitioner. I figured. 
But again, I get to live with you 24-7. So I may get a little bit. These people do not. Some of them listen to us 24-7, which is haunting. So um, our first doctor up in Charlotte would have been a GP, just a general practitioner. Our current doctor is an NP, which is a nurse practitioner. I know, and I keep referring. I'll basically call anyone with a stethoscope doctor. (laughs) That's scary. I could totally get taken advantage of sexually. But certainly, like, they could do some fucked up. Nice you, stethoscope there, doctor. Yeah. Ooh, you, you check my blood pressure? I hope it's not high. You know? But yeah, no, I mean, if I see a stethoscope, I'm just like, all right, cool, they know. I'll ask them. Like, you know, like, they just come in and start fucking putting wooden sticks in my mouth and strapping fucking Velcro around my arm. I'm just like, yeah, they got a stethoscope. This makes sense. Just needles, needles, needles. And before I know it, I wake up. I don't have a kidney and my butt hurts a lot. <laughs> now at 28 years old, or he's already 28 years old by 74. He was already two kids deep and had a massive addiction to painkillers. Now talk about this a little bit because yeah, I, think, it's I, I think it's something that when most people hear what you're about to say, it makes total fuck sense but we really don't think about it if we're not in that field you told me that some of the worst people addicted and again this is joe's hipaa all that other shit she's okay. not this has, has yeah. nothing to do with anything she's heard about no she works no no with. this is just like she told guess, me this years ago this yeah. is a general stat that a, a lot of people may not really think about or look up but there is a high level of addiction. medication addiction yeah but because y'all have access to it. Also, or too, we know easy ex- access. Uh, also, you have to think about, like, because of how, like, nurses and doctors are taught about symptoms, they kind of know what symptoms to allude to in order to get certain prescriptions. Oh, so they could technically obtain them legally mm-hmm. using knowledge. Exactly. But also, too... Um, That's like all the friends I used to know that were really into pills. They all had that big pill book. Yeah. You knew it, like, if your friend... They could look at a pill and be like, oh, that's like a 200 or 200 milligram hydrocodone. It's like, if y'all would quit taking pills and go to school, y'all are like... And pharmacology is like my worst subject, so I have no problem. I'll never have an addiction. It wouldn't surprise me if a bunch of people who love to take some oxys in high school suddenly went on to pharmaceutical sales and were pretty good at it (laughs) because they had already fucking learned everything to make sure they weren't ODing on something. Yeah, so they can legally obtain it, but the problem is also... And it's not so much now, I think, because a lot of the medication disbursement. um, Very strict now. Well, inside of hospitals, it's via machine. Right. So you have to, like, put in, like, the person's name. Which is still kind of scary because it's basically a vending machine for fucking pills. It is. And And you actually have to verify it. Like, when you pull that medication out, like, where it pops out, like, a little light will show up. You open it up. I can't remember the name of the the machine itself off the top of my head. But the one at my work, even, is, like, you flip it up, um, and you actually have to verify it by scanning it again. and, And actually verifying it against the screen which has the patient's record on it so that you don't fuck up the actual medication or the milligrams of it give it 50 years those are gonna be on street corners <laughs> and when you're just like look if i don't get something you just go up and talk to it like if you're I, gonna I gotta, talk to a robot on like, the I got screen a gun in my pocket and i'm on my way to work you better help <laughs> take two scan retina have nice day take like, two red right you know one do, blue yeah don't mix kind of like fahrenheit 451 what? Remember the concoction of pills? Like, oh, she must need three yellow and five blue. She'll no, be we'll fine see, in four see, days. Yeah, well, I only ever watched the movie, which is a great movie, by mm. the way. And it's got that awesome, like, British pop art vibe to it yeah. from the 70s. And it's fantastic. Uh-huh. We, we actually have a massive 
I bought you a uh, yeah because of how much screen of a fan. print yeah from uh, it was a different country not the UK because it was made in the UK or yeah. something but it, it was very it was cool German art. was it, it was, German yeah, okay it was German. but everything mm-hmm. you want it's in English yes uh-huh. uh, and I've gotten that for, as a surprise gift for you one yeah, year because it's my, for my all time favorite fucking book yeah you're a huge Ray Bradbury fan yes. in general but yeah yeah, yeah. anyway we keep <laughs> rabbit holing I know we got vacation on the brains dreadheads but we really want to fucking make sure that we're giving you this so in quickly wrapping it up. Uh, in 1975, Harold Shipman was busted for forging prescriptions for large quantities of pethidine. Peth- and it's a, actually a synthetic morphine, um, like kind of like Demerol, but oh. it's very similar um, in its chemical makeup to heroin. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So, all right, and, and this brings up something because I'm, if anyone knows, and I, I don't know why this is just all going back to movies today. I'm a big Ed Wood fan. Uh-huh. I like watching his real stuff, and I'm a big fan of the Tim Burton movie. That's actually how I found out about Ed Wood, the movie director. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and then that, yeah. you know, Bella Lugosi, who's most famous for playing Dracula, he's mm-hmm. one of the, the, I think maybe the original Dracula, certainly the Universal Monsters version. Yeah. Um, he had a bad, uh, he said it was morphine with a Demerol chaser. Uh, that he was that he was doing he was shooting stuff up so i mean was that ai obviously i don't know if anyone really knows when heroin started but i mean it was that kind of what led to it is heroin kind of like a cheaper knockoff i actually again pharmacology was i barely passed pharmacology you tried heroin so you exactly yeah no i would have to actually kind of like read it and kind of look it up in order to kind of differentiate so, it uh, the two but i really i'm i'm horrible with pharmacology say, when you say similar to heroin aka like the, the pethidine and uh, uh, also known as demerol uh-huh. or down the line or whatever uh, when you say chemically, does that mean like it reacts in your body? Like what you feel doing the heroin? The metabolism is the same in the but body. But the high be considered the same then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so obviously, I mean, if anyone knows anyone, again, not knocking anybody, that's fucking ter- one of the worst things to have anyone fucking addicted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but And those it, that come back from it are lucky to have came back from because it it's highly, oh, yeah, highly addictive. Every single one of them. So, yeah. So he was doing some hard stuff. Now, uh, Harold was fined. 600 pounds that's the queen's currency uh it's funny it's uh it's very multicolored you've probably seen it Uh, and had to actually complete a rehab program in york Mm -hmm. uh to go through all this so he didn't lose his medical license no no um they'll give you a pass because they understand like the access to it it kind of leads it is it it still kind of the same way today where like obviously if it i mean I don't know if it is it because I mean to this it, depending I really on the don't. amount that could have been a felony technically yeah, yeah. in today's so, terms. So I mean the last time I even heard of somebody like somebody was mentioning to me in passing who was actually a nurse and this is like god damn this is like 15 years ago at this point and they were talking about like the ability to access morphine in the hospital where some dude he was a nurse um, got addicted. We talked about that. Yeah. Like, the, the girl's name was Heidi. I won't go into how we knew all about that yeah. but yeah he got he got busted he felt he was returning the bag of morphine. Yeah. That's when he got he caught. Kicked, he had been he stealing kicked it for his a while. addiction. He kicked yeah. his fucking addiction, felt bad about it, that he was stealing from his work, went to go take that bag and back that's when in he got and caught. got caught. What a God smack right there. Right? 
right? What, so, what, just what karma being but like, see, that oh, would be uber, uber fucking difficult to do now because there's cameras everywhere. Right. Everything's dispersed. Yeah, well, we heard P- this Pixis, story. We, Pixis we, we, is the machine. There we go. Pixis is the machine we use. Well, we heard that story. We'd only been together maybe a year or two times. Yeah, two two years. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm so, saying. Like, so it was 17 really... at this point. So, yeah, that was a decade and a half ago. Yeah. So, big changes and, and mostly because of stuff like this. Now, we're going to wrap up the, the, the bio and background and get to the fucking shit y'all really want with one final thing here about uh harold in 1977 uh harold he he completed his rehab program and everything like that he's right back at it and he goes to work at the donnie brook medical center in hyde of greater manchester again as a general practitioner now, Dreadheads, this is where he would remain for the next 21 years and where he would come to be known as Dr. Death. So this is an odd one, y'all. So we just said that the, we, we were just talking about in 1977 and now this we're having to like fast forward to fucking 1998. The reason is like a high level overview. There's not actually a lot of information on the individual fucking murders that he committed. Right. It's more over. It's, it's more like a motive, a motive and motif. yeah, a motif of like what happened, what he did and how he got caught over a span of time because this yeah. is one in the notes where actually uh like the the the, the trial and all of that stuff is actually longer in the notes yeah. than actually like the the date by date as well as even stuff. the aftermath like the aftermath after the trial after he was in prison there was even more information that finally came to a light and i wanted to try my best at kind of giving it in almost like a chronological order so that's why we're having to fast forward no, go so, right ahead then. yeah so this brings us thanks to for my- explaining it to all of us out there that are <laughs> that would be like whoa man that's a lot <laughs> of time skip right there, man. <laughs> are they high or am i high <laughs> so in march of 1998 uh brooke surgery employee linda reynolds was suspicious of shipman's very high death rates and not, she, not a good record to have as no. a doctor you don't want to <laughs> all those patients uh, are dying yeah, you don't want a good kill to death ratio as a doctor like you no. know what I'm saying? Like, this is not a video game no. <laughs> um so she ended up uh going to john pollard um he was actually the corner of the south manchester district and there was actually a lot of cremation forms for elder uh, elderly women that he had actually needed countersigned by the same office so he was like okay this does seem suspect so pollard the, the yeah. coroner had needed him countersigned yeah okay, yeah okay yeah. gotcha and so on April 17th of 1998, police um, actually didn't find any evidence to bring charges and ended up closing the investigation on that uh, on April 17th. Now, Shipman uh, kind of blamed the greater Manchester um, uh, police for assigning green investigators to the t- case. So they were and just the, like, oh, inexperience is why. Yeah, yeah. But now this is, this is obviously something the inquiry. after. The, the, yeah, so, so this is after the fact. Gotcha. So again, yeah, it, they're talking about, okay, this so happened at this snippet of time. The wasn't done by the police, and that's why things lingered Fell. on a little bit longer. Yeah, I fell did. through the gotcha. cracks. So this, uh, we're going to jump to August of 1998. A cab driver by the name of John Shaw ended up going to the police because he thought shipman murdered like 20 more 21 more patients isn't that crazy he was birthed by a cab driver and ultimately taken, <laughs> taken out, out by, by a cab, cab driver. driver cab drivers aren't to be fucked with dreadheads <laughs> i'm gonna tell you right that that is not that's a job i would not want no 
I mean, you are, because think about it, like, you, complete strangers, you let them in your car for money, you are a prostitute on wheels. And you know what's so funny? And like, all of your vitals are exposed to them. They're behind you. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's actually funny. I uh, We're going to go down another rabbit hole. That's funny. I was on IG, and uh, somebody's like, post up a video about her being an Uber driver, and she'd picked this guy up from his home, saw him say goodbye to his wife and kids. She takes him to his mistress's home, picks her up. Well, Uber drivers at any point in time can say, I refuse to give you service. What she did, she drove that motherfucker and his mistress back to his home and says, I am, I'm ending this drive. I don't want to be your, your driver for the remainder of the trip. So she literally had to get out with his mistress in front of his wife and his fucking kids. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it explained, oh shit, you know, I really wasn't going on a business trip. He was taking her on a vacation. That's a power move right there. Yeah. That's, that's a, a bitch with some move. fucking balls. Yeah, that no, that is kudos that, to her. Yes. As as a man though, kind of fucked up. <laughs> I feel like if my Uber driver would have been another pair of Honestly, I'd been more pissed off I didn't get taken on vacation. I ain't gonna lie. But like, all right, fuck whoever you want to, but I didn't <laughs> right. get to take I didn't you right. didn't take yeah. me on vacation, was that you the son whole of a problem? bitch. We we couldn't go to fucking Maui because <laughs> you needed to hit strange because I would have let you hit strange yeah. if I could have went watched, to Maui. Motherfucker, take my ass to goddamn Maui. Well that's because you're a slut. <laughs> go, go, go ahead though. Go ahead. Um so Shaw actually again became suspicious as most of the elder customers he ended up taking to the hospital who were under shipment's care um they seem to be in great health but then would die in shipment's care that's a very like specific like it's well, just like he's going really above and beyond the call of like what a cab driver well, needs no if you think about it he works in a certain vicinity you're going to go to a hospital I within guess, a certain yeah, vicinity because of, of their of their health care system true and to be fair this area i don't know very well yeah. obviously we're talking about the uk and and stuff like that now, now yeah like even now, you know where we live. We live, you know, near a major. Med- we live near Charlotte, but yeah. we're on the outskirts by about an hour. Uh-huh. Uh, but like, you're not going to get the same Uber driver, you know. No. But if you're in a small enough town and it's a cab driver back then, yeah, exactly. You, you are right. You would possibly, and not to mention too, public transportation is a lot more prevalent in the UK. Yep. So yeah, he probably was Had running the grocery stores exactly. and stuff like that. And if you and if with a cab company, you could probably even request. The same guy, or talk to your cabbie and be like, "Hey, when are you going to need on such, shift I'm going to need again? you on Thursday at 8 a.m. Yeah, Can you run so, me so, here?" Fair enough, then. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Then. All right, so I'm backtracking a month. So in August of 1998, and this is what ends up kind of corroborating um, uh, Shaw's uh, Claims, suspicions. Right. Yeah, um, is that um, he actually ended up pick or uh, Kathleen Grundy dropped dead well, she at home. Get the Solomon Grundy. <laughs> Nursery rhyme like Solomon Grundy killed on a Monday or something like that. I have no idea. Because they made a Batman villain out of him. Oh, I did not know that. And I'm a huge Batman fan. Yeah, but he's never been. You're you're like a Batman movie fan. (laughs) Like, we don't really read comics and shit like that, but clearly my nerd thing, I think I know of him because when Cub really liked Batman Brave and the Bold. Oh, yeah. And they brought all the fucking weirdos on that one and stuff (laughs) like that. Let us know in the comments below, Dreadhead, if you know the full Solomon Grundy poem. Yeah. But I know I'm right. It is Solomon Grundy. It's something about him on a Monday. And then after that, I do not know. Well, Kathleen Grundy dropped dead at home. Um, That's on June 24th of 1998. She was 
was actually the former mayor of Hyde where he was practicing at. Shipman was the last person to see her alive, and he later signed her death certificate and listed the cause of death as only old age. Now, Angela Woodruff, Grundy's daughter, and she was actually a solicitor, which is kind of like um, a low-level attorney. Well, not like low-level, but it's like a basic attorney. Well, I don't know. Over here, you have like county solicitors and shit like that. So she could have been going into politics just like her mother had. Uh, Yeah, I I know 100%. I was trying to understand it a little bit better, and it just got even more fucking confusing for me. Fair enough. But um, uh, she ended up going, or she grew concerned when fellow solicitor Brian Burgess actually clued her into a will that had actually uh, recently been made, and he had doubts about its authenticity. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. So the will excluded Woodruff and her children, but left 386,000 pounds to shipment. Yes. That's ballsy right Right, right. Um, Christ, at this point, he had been doing this for like over 20, over two decades probably. Yeah. Maybe not the whole two decades. Overinflated census self and a level of entitlement you and I will never fucking understand. Mummy says I, I deserve this. Yep. Mummy never lies. (laughs) My mummy said I'm special. Um, now Burgess uh, was actually convinced, or actually convinced uh, Woodruff to take the information to the police, who immediately began an investigation. Now I'm gonna roll back up. Is that when that original original police investigation happened? Happened on April seventeenth. Um, there between that span of time between Kathleen Grundy's death and and their original suspicions, Shipman actually killed three more people, and we wouldn't find that out until even after his fucking trial. And that's about a, about a two month period, exactly. Right there. Yeah. So he's often them left and right, and that goes to show you kind of like his um his uh i guess his frequency and how comfortable he was with it. and that comes into play well, yeah. even after or, it's like been, when it's his been almost inquiry. two decades no one's fucking catching him i mean eventually it's almost an autopilot thing it's not, you're it, not even doing it for the thrill anymore that's just old hat yeah, what your job is at that point. Exactly. So Grundy's body ended up being exhumed because of all this information, that previous investigation and all that. Her body was exhumed and found to actually contain traces of diamorphine, hey, essentially heroin. Bitches like to party sometimes, <laughs> even, even old ones. Which was often used for kind of pain control, like palliative care and terminal cancer cases. Now, Shipman claimed Grundy was an addict and showed them the entries in his computerized medical journal, but he fucked up. The police examined his computer and it showed show that the entries were written oh, wow. post-mortem to her death. Holy shit. Yeah, All so right. he he shot himself in the fucking foot. Absolutely. Well, that's what happens a lot with people who they can do that, but they're like, well, you know, you know we can go, we, there's ways to dig into the data and see when it he was manipulated, created. He always felt like created. he was better and he was smarter than everybody else around him and that constantly comes well, into play about his mannerisms and how he got caught. That's, hey, hey, that's why I constantly look at my kids and tell them they're not special. <laughs> oh. You're not. You're just another human out here. You may be special, but you're not special. That's great. You said you want. You're special you, to us, but you're not special to anybody else. You Thank go. you, Bluey. Yes, Bluey. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's like one of the Saving Grace cartoon shows for fucking parents nowadays. So that brings us to September 7th of 1998. Now, Dreadheads Harold Shipman was arrested and was found to be possessing a brother typewriter. Now, Joe, brother still makes stuff, right? I don't yeah. know if I don't know if anyone. I'm sure someone still makes typewriters. There's too many. <laughs> Goddamn fucking those <laughs> nostalgic old school right, people. I love those, my records. Those people, yeah, and that's fine. Yeah. I own a few records myself. <laughs> but yeah, so they I make printers. I think we got a sewing machine by them and an embroidery machine by them, so they're still in the game. Right. So, they, but they were able to to identify that this typewriter was the type that was actually used to forge the will. Now, if you know much about typewriters, and you're fine if you don't. But they would have, there would be certain like things that were 
you could identify him if you knew enough about him. A keystroke Correct. was a little weird. Again, Pressure, spacing of letters, like something that very identifiable right. and actually almost like on a forensic level. Yeah, they can look yeah, at it. And yeah. it could be you could look at three or four different models made within this, the past three or four years by the same manufacturer, and just because of it was all mechanical moving parts. Something would be a little different from the others. So they were able to identify that. Now, in the year 2000, a book was written uh, by the journalists uh, Brian Whittle and Jean or Jean Ritchie. I don't know. Book was called Prescription for Murder. And they posited two different possibilities for why Shipman forged this will. Now, again, it was a large will. It was like almost 400,000 pounds. So very, very substantial amount of money. Uh, But they said that maybe he either A, wanted to be caught because his life was going out of control or B, because he planned to retire at 55 and actually leave. My answer is B. Absolutely. Final answer, B. Absolutely. B, final answer. (laughs) Absolutely. Because at this, and and again, we're going to get into it. But there's nothing that suggests that Harold Shipman started to feel remorse no. or started anything like that. And again, if you're feeling remorse, why You've been are you getting gonna- away with it for fucking like over two decades? Like, really? When are you, you would have felt remorse after the first one? Like, well, you like wouldn't continue. If you've been feeling two decades worth of remorse, you don't fucking plan a coup de gras to fucking go out on. <laughs> and it kind of goes back to him having that over uh, inflated fucking ego. Is like, oh, I deserve this. Oh, I haven't gotten caught. Mommy's little I'm Freddy. Smart. Mommy's little Freddy can forge all the documents he wants. He's so special Freddie is yeah with so he's special he, typewriter he, yeah he's he's like i'm smart i'm getting away with it i yeah. deserve this i want to oh, retire yeah. by 55 like this completely it goes in line yeah, at, with an over at, ego at or best big ego. at best it started to get sloppy because of his level of comfort yeah i would agree with that too and, you know, it, that's it, how he, got, him, he exactly. got himself caught uh so the police uh, investigated other deaths that harold uh shipman was involved in where he had signed off on the death certificates and stuff bodies were exhumed and they were tested and they did discover a pattern of diamorphine. That's the stuff you had said was like synthetic Set heroin. heroin yeah. um, at lethal doses that was administered. Uh, signed patients death certificates by Shipman. Mm-hmm. And uh, then falsified medical records to indicate they had been in poor health. And they or were even addicted like he tried to do with fucking Grundy. Right. And they were done after the fact, yeah, post-mortem and stuff. He yeah. made up all these things. So he wasn't, I think, again, that, that lends credence to the fact that he was getting sloppy. Yep. He started to be like, oh, well, I can do it whenever. I, I mean, you're talking about somebody who's had an addiction for 20 goddamn years, too. Like, he was fucking jacked out of his fucking mind. <laughs> I got this. I got just, this. <laughs> just fucking grinding his teeth, typing on a typewriter. and I mean, I'm surprised he got it. He wasn't sloppier beforehand. <laughs> um, now, part of the investigation uh, concluded, Dreadheads, that, quote, statistical monitoring could have led to an alarm being raised at the end of 1996. Now, remember, we're in in 1998 now. Back to the quote. When there were 67 excessive deaths in females aged over 65 years, compared to that number increasing to 119 by the year 1998. So, obviously, Shipman gets fucking arrested, and this brings us right into his trial. Now, the interesting part about this, like, kind of like an overview, that Shipman really came off as fucking arrogant and lacking any kind of remorse throughout his entire fucking trial. Again, like, he didn't a- even try to, he didn't even try to look, like, oh, sympathetic or, like, he didn't even try to look like an actual doctor. He again, was just like, I don't give a fuck. And that takes away I, this prescription for murder. And, again, I, I got to sit here and think, and I'm not, I'm not going to knock the authors because I don't know them and I'm not 
going to fucking read this book and I never will. But the fact that he goes to trial, uh, I mean, near the end of 98, I'm sure the dates further down there are beginning of 99. And this book was written in 2000. Yeah, this was this came out. This was trying to get on the bandwagon, trying to get some shit going. And it came out actually it. before the shipment inquiry, which we'll talk about later as there well. You go. So, yeah. So, so there you go. yeah. So, like I said, he came off really fucking arrogant, lacking any kind of remorse. And some of the highlights from this trial, I didn't I didn't want to like inundate you guys with too much information. All of his dead patients. uh Excuse me. Dead patients show toxic levels of morphine in their systems. Gotcha. Harold, and that's di- from the diamorphine, right? The yes. synthetic heroin yeah, stuff. Okay, exactly. Gotcha. Um, Harold dismissed their scientific evidence like it was done by a fucking preschooler the Ma- entire time. Mommy, mommy would no. No, <laughs> no my, I'm smarter my, than you. My mother could do better research than you, it, sir. Yeah. So um, the fraudulent and obscene quantity of drugs that shipment was hoarding at his home. Oh, so when they raided his house, they found a bunch oh, of. Oh yeah, they found stash. Yeah, they found his stash. Yeah. Um, analysis of Grundy's will had none of her fingerprints on it, and the forged signature <laughs> was remarked as crude and unbelievable by a handwriting expert. Mommy says I have excellent handwriting. <laughs> she always told me, Harold, Freddie. Little Freddie, you write so beautifully. You write like a 65-year-old woman <laughs> with almost 400,000 in her wheel. <laughs> You're preschoolers perfect. the lot of you preschoolers <laughs> now rel- this is um there was a lot of relative accounts throughout his trial and um it was because of a lot of shipments behavior and so it's kind of like witnessed at the scene by well, family when the shit went well, down well not only that but i imagine maybe even some nurses came in and as a as a future lpn yourself you you you, you get exper- exposure to the bedside manner of doctors uh, and stuff like that yeah. and we all know like doctors Again, they go to school for a long time to basically have like human empathy fucking financially beaten out of them yeah. so yeah. that they don't have that. We've all experienced doctors. It's a way of disassociating yourself yeah, with the death and dying on process. Doctors. Yeah, because they, they, they basically have to They're tell. They're like, differently. A, exactly. That's and, why we go to an NP versus a GP, and some yes. people prefer a GP over an NP. Right. But they're, they're kind of taught that this that's general practitioner versus a nurse, nurse practitioner. practitioner. Yeah. So you're taught pointing differently. It out, half of our audience <laughs> has been smoking weed at the least <laughs> during this whole thing. So well, we got to make sure to reiterate that. Yeah. So, but a Essentially, you're taught in no different methodologies. No problem or good problem, man. I don't know which one they're talking about. <laughs> but GPs and MPs are taught differently. So GPs are actually taught, taught more about the disease processes. Um, whereas by the book. Yeah. Very, so you, very okay. matter of fact. Yeah. So if you have this disease, you should show these symptoms. Oh, and this is the progression of the pathology of this disease. And that is it. Or nurses kind of have to look at the system or at the um, symptoms and kind of be like, okay, well, it falls into these categories. Uh, categories of the disease okay how can we curtail this or find a diagnosis so the methodology of how they learn is actually completely different and that's also it influences their bedside manner i was gonna say that's the biggest thing is that i mean anybody who's been in the hospital knows Uh you know your nurse way more than you know your doctor they're coming in every few hours checking on you you need anything they you know all that other stuff Well, nurses have to have a level of sympathy for who they're taking care of or they come off as shitty fucking nurses and i've already even seen them even while i was doing clinicals well not only that unless you're fucking completely heartless if you're checking on someone multiple times yeah because i mean you can't again without without getting you in trouble like for some of your patients how often do you have to check on them oh several hours during a 12-hour shift you're talking about like five six times like oh so there you go so and, and maybe they see the doctor once yep during that whole time 
and, once and, tw- every 24 hours. Yeah, where so they're they, seeing me. Uh, technically, if I did a 24-hour shift, they're seeing me upwards of 10 times a day. Right, and we've all seen the good nurses that you know they pop their head in just mm-hmm. to be like, "Hey, everything's okay, still good." Honey, not even a some. real. They're not coming in to check your vitals and nope. stuff like that. Just peeking in and stuff like that. And that's there is the difference. But all right, back to Harold Shipman's fucking. Awful handwriting and his shitty typewriter and, and his, his horrible stash bedside of drugs manner. <laughs> and his fucking Oedipus complex with his fucking mother who <laughs> loved him way too much, probably. <laughs> okay, so there were accounts by the relatives that they were completely remarking on his behavior. And so this is some of the highlights of what they're talking about. This is the relatives of the of the victims. Yes. Right. Okay, yes. go ahead. So his quote, lack of compassion. His, quote, complete disregard for attending relatives' wishes. That's a big red flag. Yeah. His, quote, reluctance to attempt to revive his patients. I would I would do CPR, but my hands hurt. <laughs> Him, quote. Could you maybe do it? You know? <laughs> Him, quote, pretending to call emergency services in the presence of relatives, then canceling the call out when the patient was discovered to be dead. And telephone records ended up showing that there were actually no fucking calls made. Now, listen to this. So he was faking the calls. He was faking the calls. Shipman asserted he didn't call despite the lack of evidence. I don't care what they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know how your, to do any good research. What's your Windows 98 automaton system says? I am above a computer. Yeah. Jesus that is, Christ. Yeah, this is Shipman. Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, again, it goes back to that book. This is this is nothing. This was him. This was complete uh, tons of confidence that was unlawfully instilled in him at an early age. I think medically instilled in him because of how fucking medicated he made himself. Like how like addicted he was to the shit that he prescribed. Diamorphine is Freddie's new mommy. (laughs) But yeah, all right. So October 5th of 1999, uh, Harold Shipman was charged with the murders of 15 women between the years of 95 and 98. Now, remember Dreadheads? This is only the initial three-year span, y'all. Three years. Exactly. And despite what the notes go through, again, Joe did these notes. So I'm I'm right here with y'all, Dreadheads. I'm going right (laughs) along with it. We also know that if you can get an ironclad either death sentence or life sentence, you worry about a lot of those those other sticky details after. There's going to be tons of appeals. There's yeah. going to be more shit. You can do all that stuff. But you got to get the fucker locked up. And if, you're, and if you're in a place where the death sentence is available and you're seeking it, you got to get to that point. Yep. So he was he was charged with those. Uh, it was he was charged. He used lethal doses of diamorphine in all of these cases. Yep. The women. I'm just going to go through these names. This is the 15 women that he was uh, he was again by October evidence 5th, actual uh, evidence uh, exhumed bodies um uh, chemical analysis tons of forensics going on yes. with all this stuff and yes. this was what he was charged with on October 5th of 99 uh the women were Marie West, Irene Turner, Lizzie Adam, uh Jean Lilly, Ivy Lomas, Muriel Grimshaw, Marie Quinn, Kathleen Wagstaff, <laughs> I Wagstaff sometimes. Uh Bianca Pomfret, Nora Nuttall, Pamela Hillier, Maureen Ward, Winifred Malore, Joan Milia, and Kathleen Grundy. There goes I really that thought you were going to use an accent to, to read all those names. I don't know. I like it. It's honestly why I listen to them that way. It's like, he'll all, probably put it like a British accent all, or shit. All I know is that it. all of them sound very white. 
and I'm they're old. And they're that. 65 plus too. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. So they have like old school and names. Stuff like that. And yeah. at that age, completely trusting in your doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're, you're on And the- even as a coroner, like honestly, as even in a coroner, you would see somebody who was like 65 plus. You honestly would not do a toxicology screen on any of those women because you're like, okay, they're 65 plus, the older age. Yeah, okay. They just yeah, died. Somebody, it somebody, was, their ticket got clocked. There was a celebrity recently, I forget the name, that died. And I mean, he was like in his late 60s early 70s somebody at work forget who was just like well what'd he die of and i was like he was skydiving what do you think he fucking died of? <laughs> he's, in the, he's literally on like the 17th or 18th hole of his life some of us get to go back to the driving range once we play all 18 holes we get a little bit of extended period no he fucking he's old 65 that I mean, it's honestly, ripe old age, right? It may be surprising if there's no underlying condition. Yeah, but yeah, nobody when just sits, drops nobody, yeah, dead. It's kind of surprising, but it's yeah, if not you're so surprising. I promise you, no one's going. They die. The good die so young. No, no. Sixty-five. You live sixty-five years. Get the shuffle out of here and go to the next existence. Uh, Shipman's legal team uh, tried to have the Kathleen Grundy case tried separately because of the alleged forgery of Grundy's will. But it did not work. No, no, it didn't. And the reason why they were doing that is because they didn't want it to overshadow the, all the other cases where there wasn't evidence of like a motive. So like, oh, okay, so he has a motive for this one. Oh, he must have had the same exact motive for the others without evidence. They that's why they want to have to get those dismissed. Exactly. Oh, he they couldn't have done sh- this because he was about the money. Yeah. And yeah. these these didn't have money. Well, no, well, he was money, about. They hadn't found evidence of that. But you'll find out later. Oh, okay. yeah. There's then some I really shall shut up, Joe. Talk. To us about January 31st of 2000. We're in the new millennium, willennium, if you will. <laughs> uh, you're in the UK, so you were probably more into that. Uh, I forget that Robbie. Oh, God. He was from the boy band Take That. Robbie Williams. Oh, wow. Millennium. <laughs> you would it's know that I song. don't. <laughs> I still listen to that song. And it's way past the millennium now. I'd rather listen to that than willennium. <laughs> fucking, fucking quote me on it, Americans. Go ahead, Joe. No, after six days of deliberation, the jury found Shipman guilty of all 15 fucking counts of murder and one count of forgery. Now, Shipman was sentenced to life for all 15 counts of murder, so consecutive life accounts, uh, uh, life sentences, and four years for forging Gundy's will. Once you die in there, well, sorry, it's Britain. Once you die, your bones are going to sit there for four more years for that terrible forgery you did. What a fucking nonce you are. <laughs> now, 11 days after his conviction on February 11, 2000, Shipman was actually removed from the medical register of the General Medical That's Council, good. the GMC. You don't want him to escape and start practicing on people well, again. It's, it's, the only reason I included it is because it's legally significant for later on in his story. No, fair enough. Now, Shipman is the only doctor to have ever been found guilty of killing his patients in the history of British medicine. Now, there, there's been some that have came up that got kind of tried for like negligence or a possible killing, but it was like a one-off or a two-off. Yeah, not with the numbers that shipment eventually gets figured out right. for. Well, I mean, even then, I mean, 15 confirmed and convicted, that's enough to get you on spread the dread alone. Yeah, but no. That's this, a higher body count than some of the fucking world's most popular serial killers. Oh, it gets even more interesting. So the authorities could oh, have I'm, actually... I'm waiting. I'm, my, my nipples are hard as <laughs> fucking rocks right now. I'm so fucking ready. Now, authorities actually could have brought additional charges, but they decided that since a fair hearing would be absolutely fucking impossible because the amount of publicity during the original trial oh, yeah. and the 15 life sentences actually made further further litigation completely unnecessary. So they, they completely avoided bringing them back for additional shit. So now 
ever defiant dreadheads, Shipman still denied his guilt and disputed the scientific evidence yeah. against him. Yeah. Uh, uh, somebody who's supposed to be based on science was just oh, like, right. fuck the science. So, suddenly, yeah, science, science goes out the window. Exactly. My he, mummy didn't believe in science. <laughs> he never once made any kind of fucking public statement. And even Shipman's wife, Primrose, maintained that he was not guilty even after his conviction. So they're both under this, like, rose-colored glasses. It's like, it's a loyal the, bitch. the, the, the like science it. doesn't add up. The fucking investigation makes no sense. They're just coming after oh, me. Oh, you, oh, you have computers and forensics. And you're using a fucking computer, son of a bitch, and you still fucked up. I mean, the timestamps like are there. Out, I would also like to point out that a doctor is still using a typewriter in the late 90s. You Immediately, someone should have been like, that's weird. I, I agree with you. Actually, when I even typed that out, I was just like, what the fuck? I was like, most everybody was already getting the, taught on computers by like 95. The only people I know, even up at that point, that really still use typewriters, you had authors. Particularly yeah. older ones, they just they they have it. They feel like they would do their draft it. that way, so they could go back and write over top of it. Yeah, you could wide it out, that. shit like yeah. that. that. But but all that. But yeah, you have a doctor. I mean, this is you got to again for some of our younger dreadheads. And again, it's 2023. There's people who are born after all this took place that can That's legally crazy. drink while they fucking. I don't want to think about it, but I'm saying it. They can legally it doesn't drink. make me feel bad, but it is crazy to think about time as a as a, that linear of like there's certain things that people won't know. Like there's people who have no idea what a fucking landline, what it's like to have a landline in the house, or to live in a house that was or, worried about Y two K or a VHS player. My house was worried or about renting Y2K. renting videos. Holy fuck! Yeah, some of y'all never been to a blockbuster, and it fucking shows. I'm <laughs> gonna say say that right now. Um, but yeah, so I mean, he's just. Again, his whole career is, is I mean... And his honestly, poor wife. I'm sorry. I'm going to say this I, out loud. I don't really feel so bad for her. Because I actually again, do because she was no, kind of groomed because he was two years older. He met her when she was only 17. She was only 17. He's already no. of high intelligence. No. He's already has this overflated sense of self. More than likely, she was enamored with this guy that she thinks is absolutely like uh, He's a medical genius. Yeah, exactly. Is. Oh my God, they're just None going after patients, him just because of how great of a doctor None of he is. Patients that had a vagina past the age of 65 died in pain. <laughs> <laughs> what a great man my Harold is. But no, I, I, I what I said. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, she probably, I don't know. Yeah, Papa F. He probably has some weird fucking sex thing. Yeah. But the, my biggest thing when he it comes to her. He probably really enjoyed her calling him Fred like his mom did. Yeah. Oh, God. Fred. <laughs> I am arriving inside of you right now. <laughs> Oh, oh, right. God damn it. You <laughs> gave me chills. That's as, that's as sexy as the word intercourse. <laughs> but, and I, I phrased it wrong. I, this is one of the few spouses I could see genuinely not believe he would lie to her. Again, it's not like a lot of the other ones where they're out there fucking choking, dismembering. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the likelihood that they never brought home bloody articles of clothing and stuff like that seems, you know what I'm saying? Gacy's wife and several others, he just comes to mind. That's tough to believe. But when he's ODing them on medicine. Yeah. And. He's not, he's literally not getting his hands dirty. So, I mean, honestly, I mean, we've been together almost he's 20 years. He's using literally the tools of his trade to get what he wants out of it. Right, but I mean, we've been together it's, 20 years, yeah. and barring the fact that you almost. have a lot of medical... God damn it, don't almost, cut us, almost, cut sorry, us almost, out of some years almost, there. <laughs> but barring, if you take away any of your medical knowledge, uh -huh. 
Put yourself in her shoes. I mean, she everything she knows about the field of medicine is secondhand from him. Exactly. You would be like, no, he's he because I mean he clearly didn't. You could even to actually her. say you could even uh, uh, agree that it would if, if if because I am in the nursing field. Like if I was ever came up on charges of being like a killer nurse, everything you've ever heard from me is through my filter. Right. So, so your I, la- your knowledge of what I've given you is, is the only thing that you have a, a way of. Uh, I guess, kind of basing your scheme or yeah, your I'm interpretation gonna, I, of the situations on. I'm going to start at the standpoint that you're already innocent. Exactly. And that, you know, some some things went now, to wrong. Her, it, but to her know. credit, not to cut you off, but to her credit, she eventually comes around. All right, right? well, then let, let me not waste time then. Because I'm over, again, I, I, got to, I came in from work. These notes are done. We're fucking recording. <laughs> I've been popping fucking cans. So Joe, hey, press Joe. on then and, and educate me about this. So he you know, Primrose maintained that he wasn't guilty even after his conviction. What else? Okay, so while he was at the HM prison Wakefield, and this keeps on coming up, uh, we keep on talking about HM, but Shipman became friends with fellow serial killer Peter Moore. And I, I personally, I put this note in here, maybe it was due to his overinflated self-image, and he probably didn't even see his bef- behavior with befriending Peter Moore as very telling of his own conscious right because there is a prison hierarchy yeah it, when it comes and to you're crimes also too. if you are innocent why would you befriend a serial killer right because what would you have in common that. yes yeah, they see well, you're guilty by around. association exactly yeah, yeah and i mean you're already in prison because you're guilty yeah nine times out of ten there's there's fake you know there's fucked up shit that has yeah. happened but overall generally the vast majority of people that are in prison are there for a fucking reason. Are guilty. Yes, exactly. uh, you we, have we your argue. one-offs, yeah. especially in the American fucking well, system. You can argue whether the length of time fits all that shit, but they are guilty of something. There's a law on the book that they are legitimately guilty of. And when you pal around with a serial killer and you are in there for being a serial killer, not a good look, bro. No. Not a good one No, and all. that's why I said it lets credence to him having this overinflated sense of his fucking own self-image. He's like, oh, I'm fine. Like, I know I, I, they should find me innocent or that I was unjustly imprisoned, but I'm going to befriend this motherfucker even though we shouldn't have anything in common. Right. Now, now, keep, now keep in mind, I'm going to toss it right back to you. Yeah. Keep in mind, he every, all the convictions and everything happened January. January 31st of 2000, uh, the year 2000. So Joe, take us almost four years, a couple, shave a couple of weeks to January 13th of 2004. Yes. So Shipman actually hung himself using sheets wow. and the window bars of his cell a day before his 58th birthday. See, that's fine. I've so always good told you God if I go, riddance. That's fine. But I've always told you, even no. if I'm falsely accused, I'm hanging myself immediately. I have what is known as a white boy bubble butt. Yes, that is do. a delicacy in prison. <laughs> That's that's rare. <laughs> that's like albino animals. I'm glad you called that because that's always why I want passion. You, go, Boop. you do. You <laughs> gooch me more than I gooch you. Yeah. You got more of a bubble butt than I do. Well, that's your Asian genie. I know it's the fun. flat ass shit. That's fine. I don't know. It's like I, I and I'm an ass man. <laughs> but when you have slightly almondish eyes, the butt goes out the window. <laughs> I just that's, that's why Thai lady boys fuck me up. They ain't got booties. They ain't got booties. In the- <laughs> They ain't got, they ain't got, oh, they ain't got no ass and they have penises. <laughs> but part of me is just like, well, do you know anybody I know? <laughs> Are you on social media? How good is your... Do you know my family or, you know, anybody I grew up in the church with? Well, no, they can go ahead. There's a few people, but 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 regardless. But but yeah, no. So yeah, I've already told you. I can go to county over an overnight lockup 
for being like just, I don't know, in a bar fight. You better hurry up and get someone there because I am on suicide watch immediately. Immediately. <laughs> Agreed. All right, so, Agreed. Yeah, so, so go ahead. So yeah, he hangs himself on, on his 58th birthday, January no, 13th. a day before. A day his, before, yes. January 13th of 2004. Yeah. He was found at 6.20 a.m. and was pronounced dead at 8.10 a.m. Now, papers reporting his death, uh, they either called him like, you know, a coward for what he did or they celebrated his death. And in the instance of The Sun, which is one of the UK like longest running uh, paper still going on today uh, their headline actually read quote ship ship hooray I thought that was great that's why I want to include I was like that no, is that is funny no, I like you I like that <laughs> whoever can, came I, up with that I like you I can, I can <laughs> fucking get down with that yeah so there's actually theories on why he did it so why he offed himself did he now, have a white boy bubble butt <laughs> Probably not. He didn't look like the type. If he did, no reason to go further into why this happened. He was tired of being the fucking pin cushion. (laughs) So we now know if John commits suicide, it it was. I feared unwanted. Look, look, fellas, come on. Science has progressed enough to let us know that we have a clitoris in our butt. So I'm not here to fucking mock anybody. God, the male G spot is the prostate. Whether, and if you but, don't know that, I'm so but, sorry to pop your bubble, but it is. But whether you're working with a pussy or a bussy, we can all agree that any kind of forced entry <laughs> is never fucking wanted. Well, I mean, there's some of you fucking freaks out there, and that's fine, but it's consensual. Uh, what is there's it? some weird fucking kinks what, what out it? there. It's man. consensual unconsent yeah, it's or consensual something like that. Non- non-consent. Consensual I don't have non-consent. that if there is a prison involved. If anybody near me has a badge. <laughs> You're like, I have no safe word. No. I am not safe with no. any of it. If anybody has a badge or a very well, like uh, one of those pictures on a highlighted card on a lanyard. <laughs> I, no. I am closed for business back there. I'm going to go ahead and tell you all that right now. And you know what? This is the one area I tend to think me and Harold Shipman, again, I think I think he was done. He went from prim rose to being prim cu- uh, pin cushion in that fucking jail, and he couldn't take it no more. Okay, so there are theories. So there's actually... That's my theory. It's <laughs> that's the your theory, but that's... It's in the notes now. History will mark this day. <laughs> there ahead. are actually theories on why he did it. Now, number one, he supposedly told his PO he wanted to commit suicide to assure his wife's financial future and actually he lost his national health service pension when his license was revoked like that was the reason why i put it in the notes now primrose did receive a full nhs pension because he died before the age of 60 despite it being a suicide she still got that pension i i want to say this because this this is this is in no fucking way any kind if you're feeling suicidal there's plenty of numbers people to talk to do that but just as a fact, there is a lot of people just assume that committing suicide, you get nothing. Yeah, you negate there's, life insurance policies. And I think a couple of episodes ago, I even said that. I was like, I don't think there's any there's, of them. There, 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 and your morbid fucking self I, yes. looked it up. There's differences when, oh, within all of them. So if you're like, well, there's no way. No, the general rule of thumb that, oh, someone committed suicide. So pensions, life insurance and things like that are off the table. Not a hundred percent, and that's as deep no. as I'm going to go into it because yeah. I'm not. I'm not trying to fucking advocate be that way. for. Yeah, no. but we we fucking spread the dread, so I'm spreading the fucking dread. Yeah, go, Joe. You go on and spread the fucking facts. <laughs> yeah. So there's evidence that Primrose finally started questioning Harold's innocence. Finally. Yeah. So it was actually Shipman refused to partake in classes because he thought it made him look guilty. So these were kind of like I'll hang out with serial killers. That's fine. 
but I'm not going to fucking. I'm not going to get into like a circle of fucking therapy and and kind of uh, denounce my own innocence. And that's how he looked at it. He was um, actually eventually because he was worried about it looking like he was guilty. He was eventually stripped of phone rights and they could him and Permos actually could only fucking write back and forth. So they couldn't even talk on the phone. Right. And Shipman's cellmate said that he received a letter from Primrose that pleaded for him to quote, tell me everything, no matter what end quote, which is fucked up because again, he's, he's been with Primrose since what he was 19. Yeah. And she has been by his side this entire goddamn time. Yeah, it was a a year before his 58th birthday. So, I mean, Jesus, almost 40 years. Yeah. And Harold Shipman, again, just like that book was talking about the guilt. that's so shitty. Holy fuck, is that not shitty? You're already in jail. Why fucking lie? You're not getting out. Well, to be with somebody for so long and them not have confessed. Like, I'd eventually, if I was guilty of some shit, I'd eventually talk to you about it. Maybe it's the credence to our communication style. I don't know, but But, certainly once you've been convicted, he was given 15 consecutive life sentences. Yeah, why not tell your wife? on top. Uh, No matter what, and especially once he had decided that he was was going to end his life. That Prepare been- her for the rest of her yes, life. Absolutely. That is so fucked. No, he hung I agree. her out to dry. Well, so leading up to the aftermath, and you've been you've been teasing this this yes. whole episode. Um and there's usually- far more information in the aftermath than there was during the entirety of Which is rare for most of what we've yeah. covered in, in 61 and previous episodes. It kind of fucked me episodes. up on the research. <laughs> yeah, so there's very little information on each specific Pacific. He, he didn't kill out of out of the west coast of California. <laughs> uh, uh, but there's little information on the specific murder uh murders that you know in that. But now the shipment inquiry uh, was launched, which was an investigation, and it resulted in like a 2,000-plus page report yeah. into Shipman's medical records. Tell us more about that, Joe. Yeah, so some of these, uh, what ended up happening with this inquiry is that there was like a specific like kind of overview like statements that were made, and one of them was there were around 500 patient deaths throughout his career, and that wow. his career spanned 71 to 98, y'all. So 500 deaths are, are under his name. And obviously, uh, there, 17 years. Yes, yeah, 17 years. But obviously, uh, uh, as a GP, some of those may have been natural. Right. You don't bat a thousand as a doctor. Exactly. That doesn't make you a bad doctor, but yeah. per se. So out of 500, there was at least 236 that are actually suspected to have been murdered by shipment. Batting 50-50 roughly makes you a bad doctor. Yes, so I will does. say that. If yes, you walk into my room and I immediately have a 50-50 chance of making out of that hospital, <laughs> you suck as a you doctor. Su- You're not a good doctor. <laughs> Exactly. I, don't, I don't even deserve that if I've got an HMO. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I deserve at least a little better than that. Yeah, yeah. 65, 70% something. <laughs> exactly. Now, it, it's kind of speculated that either his first victim may have been Margaret Thompson, age 67. She died in uh, March of 1971, only a few months after Shipman received his license. Or it could have been a four-year-old girl from when he was at the uh, Pontecraft General Infantry. So it, we Pot- don't know. You, mis- you mispronounced everything. Pontefract General Infirmary. God damn it. 
What you said sounded like, like a newspaper. Oh, God damn it. I'm like, I'm seven beers in, so. I know. We're getting I have to be here. excused. That's fine. And we've already established. Our dreadheads know how your, I am. Your lack of penchant for, for reading <laughs> even the fucking notes that you have typed. But, but yeah, the, the inquiry also helped uh, change a lot of standard medical procedures in the mm-hmm. UK, which is known as the shipment effect. Yes. Um, so I, there's checks. Kudos, I guess. You're now no, the, I mean, you're now honestly. The of American. Well, to be fair, if you look at what it uh, now assuming now I mean we we've we've got a, at least the fifteen he was locked up for had enough mm-hmm. evidence. Let's assume everything else is right mm-hmm. that he almost killed half of his patients. Uh, clearly, if you look at it, he was ODing them on synthetic heroin. Was it diamorphine? Was yeah. what you had said. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, there's checks and balances missing, and he had massive stashes of his own Thank private you. use stuff and maybe stuff that he had Even taken. despite having been charged very early in his career as somebody, or not charged, but uh, as being at least noted as somebody with an addiction right. problem. So he should have, and, and I guess, prob- I don't know how it is in British medicine, but if you have somebody that has been charged with an addiction, they've gone through rehab, there should have been a process or like almost like a, not purgatory, but a probationary period. For sure. Pro- yeah, I get what you're saying. There yeah. Where he was at least monitored or not allowed near certain things. Yes, you've completed that. Yeah. But still, I mean, a lot of people You need can to go follow out, this protocol. The, this new adapted protocol because out. you've had a, of a history of addiction. Right. Okay, we need to look through your records for an X amount of years of time to yep. make sure you're actually fucking clean. And you follow this this path, yeah. but yeah, no. This is this is actually a kind of a positive that came from the shipment effect. Which is good when shit like this happens. You know, we we live and we learn, so that's yeah, good, you know exactly. Now, fast forward to two thousand four, there were six doctors that signed off on cremation orders for shipment that were actually god damn it formally charged with misconduct for not picking bomb, uh, picking up in the pattern of shipment visiting patients at their home and fucking turning up dead afterwards like they just kind of just like all right, all right cool like uh, i get it signing off whatever I mean, again, so this you this go would, through the rigmarole of your job but still they should have seen it this would lead me because I, I i'm gonna go ahead and say this I, it, when you're talking about his potential first victims we had margaret thompson age 67 or an unknown obviously at that age she was four years old they yeah. don't release that the kind information, of information yeah it would make sense that margaret thompson 67 would have been his first victim because again, he got away with it for so long. I said victim, bunch- but you think about it though. If he got caught for addiction really early in his career, she was a victim of his addiction, even if she was four years old. So that's actually why I included it. No, no, There's I, a chance. I'm giving my own perspective on yeah, it and yeah. saying that it would make it. And I was giving sense. my own spin on it, it too. It makes sense because his MO seemed to be ODing old ladies. Yep. And that would make a lot more sense. I'm sorry, but if you're ODing fucking toddlers and adolescents, well, his OD, his drug it. abuse, his drug addiction led to her possible yeah, death. But, I mean, someone you were still at fault. Well, even, You're even still earlier, a victim. Even earlier, there had been before he was actually fully when when they had eventually dismissed. What was it like ninety five or ninety six? When they had dismissed something, if they had seen diamorphine in a four year old, yeah, that wouldn't have happened then. And again, we had that increase from what was like sixty seven to one hundred and twelve yeah. deaths that occurred over that two year period on a yearly average. 
So there still would not have been a high of, of a victim body count. Again, I, that's just my perspective on it. Yeah. And God damn it, I'm if they John and I hope estab- spread the drift. So take that with the <laughs> if they would establish, if they had an established protocol way back when he actually got picked up for his addiction as an early as a, a, a young doctor, they could have prevented so much more, and they could have even prevented her possible death. That's where I, that's why I wanted no, to kind of no, include it. Completely fair enough. But now you talked about those six doctors that signed off on the cremation orders and how they were formally charged because they didn't pick up on his patterns but they were all found not guilty yeah despite it despite all of it i actually kind of it was a little bit of a gut punch because misconduct is something that you can even move on it's not something that necessarily will bar you from continuing practicing medicine it wasn't or your career ending charge exactly had found guilty of. yeah it could have been something that you Reputation came back from tarnished but you could still practice potentially yes potentially and that's where i was just like wow they still were not fucking found guilty now again 2004 we're just talking about 2005 so he keeps going because he oh. Oh, he, he, yeah, this is really interesting. He fucking, yeah, he offed himself in o, the beginning of 04, so the, the, the shipment effect is still going Yes, on. it is. So 2005, Julie was discovered in the original um, like investigation. So Shipman's Garage, uh, found they found jewelry, and it was suspected to be lifted from his patients. The jewelry was originally discovered in 1998, again, while investigators were combing the home for div, uh, additional evidence. And actually, this jewelry totaled ten thousand fucking so, pounds. So he was. Did they just miss it, or did they? Did they no. Not think it was so pertinent? so they brought it in as evidence, and it came. It really wasn't touched upon during trial. The only reason this kind of came to light is because Primrose had actually requested personal items to be returned to her. She was like, "Okay, you guys are done. He's in jail." All right, and you could so fucking hear that crack. That's fine, but did you see my eyes? Was he giving shit to Primrose that he was lifting? No. So this was like okay. in a box. It was set off in the fucking garage. Like I guess that was his like safety deposit box for later use to kind of like resell. We, yeah, we, we, that was the theory about him getting ready for an early addiction. retirement. Yeah, he has an addiction. He wants to so retire it's early. Primrose doesn't even know about this box. Exactly. Okay, fair enough. All right, so that's why I kind of want to allude to uh, I, this is why i alluded to it um so what ended up happening she ended up requesting her personal items to be returned um and this actually caused the police to write to all of harold's patients families asking them to identify these pieces of jewelry only one piece was returned to a wow. murdered fucking patient's family and it was a platinum diamond ring and it was only because they were able to furnish a photograph as proof of ownership so there's no fucking idea if there was all these fucking items could have been linked back to patients but these this one piece of jewelry was the only thing that they could actually connect now authorities ended up returning 66 pieces to shipman's wife primrose but the police actually ended up auctioning off 33 other pieces that she said she had and she had no connection to that weren't hers um but they also were never claimed by their standards and right. proceeds of this auction actually went to the team side victim support group or well, uh, victim so, so again me. it's one of those things as we're getting close to the end here very very close yeah there's really no way of knowing no 
So again, I, we if said, you we think said about five, it, if you're dealing with of, your family, are you fucking over there uh, inventorying their fucking jewelry? Would no. you know how to even inventory? Do you know about fucking insurance policies? You have to take pictures and all this other fucking rigmarole. Would you even be considering that with an older aged, well, great and, health fucking relative? Well, but the other thing too, though, is that we said that there was 500 patient deaths in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, a career that spanned roughly about 17-ish years. And uh, the 236 are suspected uh, to have been that. But, I mean, so let me ask you this. Because all this is taking place. They're saying that this all could have kicked off in 71, right? Yeah. How long is a corpse going to hold on to trace amounts of something like diamorphine when they're exhuming them? Almost fucking 20 years later or more. So I don't know the half-life. Sorry, almost 30 years later or more. I have no idea about the half-life of these drugs. But But, but if it it has a decent half-life and they can actually age it, yeah, you could exhume a body and technically be like, okay, it should have this percentage or it should have metabolized in this method. We should see this trace, this trace, and this trace. I don't fucking know. If there's any dreadhead that knows the half-life of diamorphine, put that in the comments below. Because that's the thing is that really, I mean, he's got 500 recorded patient deaths. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, for, you could for, say a process of at least 20% of them, especially being a GP for the older population. That's, that seems natural. But even at that point, you're only at 100. So, I mean, his body count could go anywhere from the 15 that he was convicted to mm-hmm. into the couple of hun- three, 400 possible. And, and that this is ju- what and is this so... unclaimed jewelry yep. lends to more. Because, yep. again, this was a highly publicized case. Yep. So anybody at that point... Even even a shitty family member like Uncle Eddie from fucking National Lampoon's <laughs> Christmas Vacation would have been like, holy shit, what if our fucking great-grandma went to that doctor? Did he? And then yep. try to capitalize, get a story in the fucking tabloids or any of that other shit, claim some jewelry yeah. and stuff like that. But most of the but jewelry if you had a grand, But again, if you had an older fucking family member, you knew what their health was. Uh, if you Maybe, were close but, to but them, if you were so, close but, to but them. Even so, any, this, this is something that clearly was a massive fucking publicity at the time and things of that nature. We're still talking about the back half and first part of the millennium, that mm-hmm. the late 90s, early 2000s. Everything's not on the internet so much. People are still reading. I get all that, but you have to understand that, like, true just dropping dead is very rare. Okay, I get that. Okay, so even I'm I'm even going to even uh, pull from my own personal schema. We're arguing the same side here. That I'm saying that he's he is far more likely that actually more. Then a then a then a then a hair under fifty percent of his could have been contributed to that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, yeah, right, we so, are so, in the same uh, same shit. Right. All right. So now keep on going as we wrap up to the year two thousand and nine. Yeah. This is, so this is a half decade after he's fucking killed himself. Yeah. So as of two thousand and nine, there's no other additional information on him. Over two hundred families of shipments fucking victims are still seeking compensation for the losses. What do they want at this point? They, they want met. They want retribution because medically, medically, there's a doctor who could have possibly killed their family member way before they were gonna naturally go. Well, they want fucking compensation, almost like um, or, or or wanting conviction or fucking something. Because I mean, he was only convicted of fifteen. 
Yeah. They're suspecting him of and 200 that's part and of almost the problem. 40. That's part of the problem where, like, I actually denoted, like, they could have went after others, but they're like, eh, we already got him on 15 consecutive life sentences. There's no reason to push it any further. And you get that Legally. Legally. Yeah. But you're not taking into account the victim's families that are like, I want fucking justice for this. I would go ahead and he say. He fucking, he hung himself because he's a fucking bitch ass coward. Yeah, but I prison. want compensation. I want to, I want it to, uh, my family member's name to be linked to the fact that fucking Shipman took them out. And, and I get that. But I would probably justice. say. I would probably say as we wrap up that if you had a family member by chance you're listening to this and you know for a fact they visited Harold Shipman and suddenly dropped dead out of nowhere probably best to go ahead and figure that they ended up having a date with Dr. Death and with that awesome clothes that I just <laughs> that's not in the notes that's all that's a hundred percent Fucking John for spread the dread on that one. I was happy I thought of that on the fly. Several beers in. But that wraps up episode 62 about Harold Shipman, Dr. Death. I, I, Joe, this was a great one. And I knew you were going to knock the notes out of the park because it had to do with Thank medicine. Thank you. I enjoyed that. this one because of the medicine. Well, and it's nice to get a and break. And you want with... to trust your doctor. Right. And, and that's the whole thing. I like, I love you, a lot you of tend to, I like the gory this... details on stuff. Fuck do. Peter Curtin last week with <laughs> yeah. his fucking up with kids and shit like that. But you and, go and, to your and, doctor and having Bar this Jonah trust in him. Yeah. Yes. This is a nice, this is almost like a horror movie come to life. Yes. Yes. Because you go to somebody, you tell them your deepest and darkest shit. Like, you, you know, if you're shitting themselves or, or there's, you're shitting yourself, I'm only going to tell my doctor that, that yeah. you trust them so much. And you trust them to the point where you get and you end up getting fucking off by them. Right. That that's cringe. Yeah. And, God and, damn, and that's he, cringe. And he almost got away with it for three decades. Yeah. Which makes you wonder, is my doctor doing the same thing? Right. Maybe I don't fit a certain age bracket. Hey, if he goes, why do I years, still feel like shit? And I've been being, yeah. I've been divulging all this information to my doctor. Why do I still feel like shit? Are they in my corner? Like Absolutely. that's a level of vulnerability nothing, I do not like. Nothing more dreadful than that. So <laughs> if you guys are always here for the guts and gore, believe me, I'm right there with you. But little cases like this, not little. I don't mean to say it like that, but something on surface level that doesn't seem like a dreadful topic. Yeah. It really it's is not a if hack you think slash. about it. It's yeah. premeditated. Well, and you got to imagine, he didn't do this the first time these women showed up. Right. They didn't just immediately show up. He picked up on the pattern. Exactly. He picked up on the vulnerability. He picked up on this how he could. This is a guy who met these women multiple times yep. and was still cool with it, identified them as someone to keep an eye on. As and a then vulnerable over... population, exactly. and I'm going to victimize them. It's exactly. a different level of dread. That's fucked up. That's dreadful. We love it, and we hope you did too. <laughs> One last time, don't forget, spreadthedreadpodcast.com is the link. That's where you're going to find everything. You're going to find the links also, too, in the show notes, whether you're listening on your favorite podcast platform or YouTube and BitChute. But if you're over at spreadthedreadpodcast.com, make sure to check out our store, buy yourself some dreadful swag, and also make sure that you go to patreon.com slash spreadthedreadpodcast. If you want to financially support us, great. If not, 
whatever. We've been doing this shit for free for like two years. We're going to keep <laughs> fucking doing it. But there's a We're lot gonna of We're going to continue doing it. There's a lot of cool perks over there. You get access to our exclusive Discord server. Uh, there's going to be exclusive, exclusive merch. We tried. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. there's the, a the tier where you, punch, yeah, you, you get know? exclusive stickers uh, for one tier. One tier, you get exclusive shirts. There's going to be a, uh, an exclusive show that we team up with month, once a month with the boys over at Criminal as Fuck. It's going to be called Dreadful as Fuck. So go check it out. And if it looks like it's enough bang for your buck, definitely do that. Uh, one last thing, too. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, do not forget to leave us a five-star review. Take a screenshot Again, free merch. Yeah, this is the way to get free merch. We're just hulking shit at you. 100% free. We, got the yeah. st- we, we ordered the stickers in bulk. They're right here. We'll send them out. Even before we, I think even before we kicked off the fucking podcast, we're like, hey, we need reviews. Yeah, yeah. We need some. We, this is, t- we're, we're fucking, we're, we're making we jokes about. We are still about, in the hole. We're making, yeah, we're making, yeah, we're making jokes about awful shit. We really need to probably, I mean, not send the money, but technically pay for reviews. So again, you leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify, screenshot it, send it to us on Facebook, IG, or spread the dread podcast at gmail.com. Along with your mailing address, we'll send you out some free five star super spreader spread the dread podcast stickers. Do not forget, we pre recorded this. We told you we're, we, we're not on vacation yet. If you're listening to this, we are gearing up for our vacation. <laughs> so uh, some of those early announcements may not be holding, but they should. So don't make, for one, make sure you check out episode 61, Peter Curtin, The Vampire of Dusseldorf. That's absolutely out. Check out the last uh, episode of Fright Flick, Fuck, Mary Kill, where we talked about Nocebo. That's definitely out. The upcoming episode of Fright Flick, Fuck, Mary Kill, we're going to be talking about Spoonful of Sugar. And uh, the day you're listening to this, the 29th of March, 2023, the uh, we have our uh, guest appearance on the Talking Our first Owls. ever guest appearance. Absolutely. Talking Maybe Owls. Maybe our last. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Talking Owls, just like the animal. If there's, you got two owls. There's there's two of them. So it's talking, talking owls. owls. Put the S on that shit. And our episode is called Documenting Depravity. That's out as of the 29th of March, 2023. And if all things go according to plan, two days prior to you listening to this on the 27th of March, there should be a brand new Talking Dread featuring the award-winning actor Bill Oberst Jr., most uh, notably known to all of us fuckheads over here. Papa Corn. Papa Corn from Circus of the Dread. And I promise you, you are not going to want to miss that. Even though I'm talking to you from the future, I already fucking know. <laughs> Get the questions geared up. I'm knowing this guy. This guy is going to fucking blow your mind. Watch Circus of the Dead. Then watch this interview at how nice of a dude this is. You're going to fucking drink a little bit. I don't know. Fucking, it's going to be amazing though. So definitely make sure you check all of those out. And again, a shout out. To our future uh, Patreon-only co-host, Criminal as Fuck, Criminal AF. If you aren't checking them out and you love the dread, then you're missing a great show that we sign off on. Clearly, you know we don't listen to other fucking true crime podcasts. Yeah. But they're not boring. They're wonderful. They're not boring. They swear a lot, and they have way higher production values than we do. Video and audio. Absolutely. Hats off. They're ahead of the game. We uh, we, We This is our first podcast. We had no fucking idea. And then we started looking at it and was like, holy shit, more people are listening than we fucking thought. So we're still playing catch up, and hopefully they'll fucking Sherpa us up that mountains. But all things are done officially done with episode 62 about Harold Shipman. So let's close as always by saying I'm John and I'm Joe. And look, we know it's fucked up out there. So you leave the dread to us. You make sure you stay proud. You stay powerful and you stay positive. And no matter what you're doing while you listen to this podcast 
or what you're about to do once you're done listening to this episode, you get out there like a true dreadhead and you wreck that shit. Why don't you start right now and get the fuck out of here?